Welcome to New City Sermon Podcast. Join us as we open God's Word to be empowered and challenged today. I prepared something that I felt like um, should encourage you, um, it should um, strengthen you, and I pray that it blesses you as you continue your walk with God. Um, I'm excited about today. If you can, turn your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 7. Y'all see I'm still breathing for air. Y'all just saw that? I had to take my asthma pump two times today. I still take it. Uh, And I haven't worked out. I can't wait to work out. Maybe that's going to help me with my breathing. Isaiah chapter 7. We're going to read verse 14. Uh, I am going to go into the context of this chapter, but um, for the sake of time, we're just going to read verse number 14, and here's what it says, and I'll be reading from the CSB, and it says this, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this short time that you've given me to preach, but I ask that whoever this word is for, Lord, I pray that they take it. I pray that they run with it. For, Lord, you said in your word that the words that you speak unto us are spirit and life. And whatever dead situation somebody may be feeling right now, I pray that you'll bring life to their situation right now as I preach. Let it be not me that preach, but let it be your spirit that preaches through me. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. There's so many things that we can do when it comes to this text, but I guess I'll start off with telling you a little bit about the background of the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah is a collection of stories. It's a collection of uh, what I would say judgments uh, and passages um, and promises where God attempts to draw the people of Israel back to himself. That's what you're seeing in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah, if you read it uh, all throughout the the, the text, it's a book of warning, and it's also a book of hope when you read the book of Isaiah. And while there seems to be no hope among the people of Israel, um, the reason why I say that is because these people are a stiff-necked people. The Bible tells us that the the, the Israelites are really hard to kind of tell them what to do, and they continue to to sin, and they continue to rebel against God, and, and they have a hard time turning back to God. And the book of Isaiah gives us insight into God's commitment to his people, um, his commitment and desire to restore the people of Israel. That's what you see in the book of Isaiah. It, it, he, he has a commitment to these people, and although the nation of Israel uh, continues to sin and they continue to rebel against God over and over, there is hope in this text. There's hope all throughout the, the Bible. There's hope all throughout the Old Testament. But the book of Isaiah specifically gives us insight to the hope that is to come. That's why we're celebrating uh, Advent, right? It, it, it talks about the coming, and we're celebrating the coming and this hope, and this hope that is spoken through the prophet Isaiah, where he prophesies a time where God will rule over a restored nation who would fully be devoted to him. I just kind of felt like I wanted to give you a little bit of background, and this hope that I'm referring to that that God prophesies through the, the prophet Isaiah, this hope comes through Jesus. I think all of us already know that. Not only do we see this promise being fulfilled in our text, what we're reading this morning, but we also see this promise being fulfilled even in the New Testament. 
Matthew chapter 1, Luke chapter 1. We don't have time to really go there, but if you read it, it's, being, it's literally fulfilled. And if there's anything I want you to see and want to speak into this morning, it's the fact that God is committed to his people. Look at the person next to you and just tell them for me, God is committed to his people. Thank you guys so much. That makes me feel so good. He was committed to the people of Israel back then, and he's still committed to his people right now at this moment. He is committed to each and every one of us. But the way he's committed to us versus the way he's committed to the people of Israel back then is so much different. As a matter of fact, the way he's committed to us and the way he shows himself to us is much in a greater way. We'll get there in a minute, but I want to just spend some time talking to you guys about how God is just committed. He's committed to the people of Israel. He's committed to you. Uh, can I just preach for a little bit, just, just for a second? God is committed to you and I, even if we aren't committed to him. Is there anybody that knows what I'm talking about? Y'all know that testimony? Like, God is committed to you and I, even though we're not committed to him. He's committed to you and I, even though we don't pray as much as we should. Come on. I don't, there are times where in my life I'm like, why, why am I not praying as much? He's still committed to me. He's, he's committed to us, even though we don't read our Bible as much as we should. He's committed to us, even though we don't follow him as much as we should. We serve a God who is just committed to us. And I'm being reminded of what it says in the book of Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Here's what it says. It says, God demonstrated his love towards us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He was committed to us, even though we were sinful and we see that even in the old testament we're seeing that right now in our lives god is committed to you and i and there's no sin that can stop him from being committed to us there's no problems no mistakes nor things that you've done in your past that can keep you from being committed to god or from god being committed to you we serve a god that is committed i'm just being reminded just if i could just share my testimony just for a little bit I, i'm really reminded when i used to be lost when i used to be stuck in my sin when I used to be sold out on drugs I, I felt that God demonstrated his love by being committed to me even though I was so committed to following the customs of this world I was so committed to following what my friends wanted to do I was so committed to what I saw on TV I saw a lot of rappers talking about this and that I was committed to that and all in the midst that God was committed to me. God is always about committing to you and I. There's one thing I would like for you to take as I preach this thing is that God does not have commitment issues. We may have commitment issues, but God don't got no commitment issues, y'all. He is committed. Look at the person next to you and just tell him he's committed. He's committed to you. We serve a God who is committed to saving his people. He, we serve a God who is committed to the people of Israel. And he's still committed to each and every one of us today. Your mistakes don't stop him from being committed. I have to emphasize that because there's people that I speak with online. There's people that I speak with when I converse with them. Whether it's people in my families and my friends. People feel some type of way. They think that God is just going to stop loving them because of their shortcomings or their failures or the things that they done. No, he's not that type of God. He, we serve a God whose love is from everlasting to everlasting. It's consistent. He is committed to saving you, committed to restoring you and I, He's committed to healing you and I, He's committed to loving us, to fighting for us. He was committed even in this text that we're reading right now. 
I wish I can spend some time doing that, but I know I ain't got time, but I'm going to just rush through it. Because how we got to seven, verse seven, verse, chapter 7, verse 14, was what was happening before. Like King Ahaz, who was the king at that time, he's the king of Judah. God sends a prophet named Isaiah to him. And although God was committed to King Ahaz, we read in this text that God is not, that King Ahaz is not really committed to God. Yeah, God was committed to him, but he's not committed to him. King Ahaz wanted to do his own thing. I'm just going to give a quick overview. King Ahaz wasn't about God's plan. He was all about his plan. King Ahaz is committed to what he wants, but God is so committed to him that God sees that King Ahaz wants to do what he wants, and, and he knows that even though King Ahaz has a plan to do what he wants, and this plan will lead to his destruction, God, who knows all things, sends a prophet, prophet Isaiah to him, to encourage him. Skim through it. God saw that uh, King Ahaz was worried. He was afraid. And he's afraid because he knows that there were two kings that were coming against them. Yeah, two kings at that time were trying to overtake the people of Israel. And he's afraid and he's worried. A king, y'all, afraid and worried. So God sends the prophet Isaiah to him to encourage him, to tell him, hey, Ahaz, don't be afraid. Don't be worried. I got you. He further on tells him, hey, listen, whatever they're plotting against Judah, here's what I want you to know. Their plan is not going to succeed against you. God was committed to, to, to King Ahaz, but King Ahaz is so committed to his plan. He's like, I don't care what God has to say. And, and we learned that because uh, later on in the text, King Ahaz literally forgets what God has to say and literally does what he wants to do in joining his alliance with this people called Assyria. That's kind of what the background is of what's going on in this text. Um, Ahaz wants to do his thing in joining forces with Assyria. God wants to help him. Ahaz doesn't want God's help. That's what's really what's happening in this text. Am I right, John? <laughs> Ahaz doesn't want God's help, but God is so committed to him and so loving to him but he, that he offers help anyways. That's the God we serve. God offers King Ahaz even in the midst of his doubt, even in the midst of him not trusting him. He says, you know what, Ahaz? You know, ask me anything. Ask me anything, because I, I, I notice that you don't believe that, you know, I'm here to protect you. I'm, not, I'm here to help you and serve you. Can you just ask me for a sign? And the Bible tells us that King Ahaz refused to ask God anything, because when God was telling him to ask him for a sign, what God was trying to do is help, help Ahaz uh, have more confidence in God. Like he was trying to encourage him to trust that, you know, I will help you through this situation. But King Ahaz was so committed to what he wanted, he refused to ask God for a sign. And God in his faithfulness, God in his love, God is in his commitment, gives Ahaz a sign anyways. Ahaz refused to ask God for help, but God helps the people of Judah anyways. How does he do that? Well, in verse number 14, which we are reading today, he tells them that I'm going to give you a sign. You don't want a sign, I'll give you a sign anyways. And this sign was this, that a woman will conceive a son and his name shall be Emmanuel. This sign that Jesus 
sorry, this sign that was spoken through the prophet Isaiah was given to King Ahaz to encourage him, to let him know like God has a redemptive plan to rule over a restored nation who would be fully devoted to him. This sign points to a name that meet, that means so much to us. This sign, it, it points to God's commitment. This sign is a gift from God. This sign was Jesus himself for unto us a child was given and his name shall be called Emmanuel. Somebody say God with us. That's what Emmanuel means. And there's so much hope here because we are reading a text where a king is going through a trial. A king is going through a battle, y'all. A king is, is fighting and he's doubting and he's afraid and he's, and he's worried. And yet God promises him a sign. That should encourage us. Because just as God promised him, he promised that he would be with them back then. God is still promising us right now that he would be with us right now at this moment. We serve a God who is committed to being with his people. He was committed to being with Israel back then. And he's still committed to being with us right now. Can I get an amen? He's committed to being with us even in trials and tribulations. Even when we're going through pain and situations and problems in our lives he was committed to king ahaz because king ahaz was going through a trial and in the same way he's committed to us even when we are going through trials no one here is exempt when we go through trials and there anybody here that have ever been through a trial or a situation i guess i'm the only one here <laughs> i've been through some stuff where it caused me to doubt, even doubt god i've been through some stuff that has caused me to make me feel like uh, i don't know if god is real i've been through some stuff is, is there anybody that ever questioned god before am i by myself god even though we've gone through trials and tribulations we learned that god is committed to us but you can't let your trial keep you from thinking that God is not there with you. If I were to ask everyone here to come up to tell us about some of the things that you went through just this year, man, we'll be here all day. Because we all go through trials and tribulations. No one here is exempt from a trial. Everybody knows what it means to go through some situations. Like there are some of us who've probably been through car accidents. I don't know. Some of us who've probably been through health or going through health issues right now. There are some of us who are probably going through some things that, that, that makes us feel like, you know, I, I want to give up in life. And, and just because you are going through some things that shouldn't make you feel as if God is not with you. And there's anything I want to emphasize, emphasize today and encourage you about is the fact that God is with you. Even if you're going through some stuff within your family, he's with you. Even if you're going through some things that you can't control, he's with you. Even if you're going through some things that you feel like you can control, he's with you. There are some things in our life that we go through that make us feel as if, oh man, God, where are you? But I want to tell you today that he's with you. I'm being reminded of what it says in the book of Proverbs chapter 3. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. You know why it's important for you to trust in the Lord with all your heart? Because there's going to be times in our lives where we trust in ourselves. And when we trust in ourselves, that is not a good idea. Because the Bible tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things. Trusting in your heart is a setup and it is a trap. If there's anybody that ever been through that situation where you trusted in yourself and you thought that yourself would help you get in, get out of something and later on you realize that you started going into something and it brought you into more bondage, more problems, more situations, you got to be careful of trusting in yourself. You got to trust in God. There's a, there are those of us that knows what it feels like to know that God 
is with us in the midst of what we're going through. But thank God for Emmanuel, who was promised to us. Even in the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verse 20, Jesus said it out of his own self. He said, I am with you always to the end of the earth. That should comfort us that he's with us. But the question I want to ask you guys this morning is how do you respond when you're going through a trial? How do you respond when you're going through pain? How do we respond when we're going through problems and situations in our life? You know, we saw how King Ahaz responded. He was doubting. King Ahaz, he was afraid. Ah. But we can put confidence in this, that we have Emmanuel. If only King Ahaz could grasp the full breadth of what Isaiah was trying to say to him. He would have never joined alliance with Assyria, but he did it anyways. We have Emmanuel, y'all. God with us. How do you respond when you're going through bad times? When you're feeling overwhelmed? How do you respond when you're going through three miscarriages that if anybody knew, that's what me and my wife went through. Three miscarriages before we had little Mariah. How do you respond, Mark? How does one respond? How do you respond when you're going through financial stress? How do you respond when you're going through sickness and you feel like you'll never get healed from what you're going through? Here's what I want to tell you today. It shouldn't be fear and it shouldn't be worrying. Here's why. When we read the Bible, like, let's look at Isaiah verse, chapter 41, verse 10 going to put it up there for me. I just want to read it really fast. Because God doesn't want us to respond in fear. It literally tells us in this text, do not fear for what? I am with you. Do not be afraid for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you and I will hold on to you with a righteous right hand. So he doesn't want us to respond he doesn't want us to respond in worry as well. Because if you look at the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 25, it says, don't worry about your life. The, just the other day, I was preaching Philippians 4, 6, where I talked about, you know, be anxious for nothing. God, God said it over and over. Don't worry. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. So God doesn't want us to worry. How should we respond when we go through trials and tribulations? And, and the reason why I'm going here today, because I know that there's going to be times in all of our lives where we're going to go through a trial. We're going to go through some pain. No one here is an exempt. But I think this is where I felt like the Lord was really wrestling with me this morning to talk to you guys about is this. We should have a confidence in the fact that God is with us. We should have a confidence in the fact that we have Emmanuel. God is with us. There is a confidence that you should have when you know that God is with you. Because when you have this confidence in the fact that God is with you, your response will look something like what it says in John chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. Here's what it says. And I know this is tough, but this is not me. This is what the Bible says. It says, consider it a great joy, 
my brothers and sisters, when you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Another translation says patience, produces patience. There's a confidence that should come upon you when you know that God is with you. The only way that this text can make sense is the fact that we have a God that is with us. You know what David said in Psalm chapter 23, verse 4? This is what confidence should do when you know that God is with you. He says, even when I go through the valley, the darkest valley, I fear no danger. Why? For you are with me. And your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Family, only way we can respond this way, the only way this is possible is if we have a confidence in the fact that God is with us. And, and this is why I, I'm, I'm just kind of like reminding you this morning. Like I, this, this sermon today is really more so of a reminder and an encouragement to know that, hey, you have a God that is with you. But some of you may be asking the question, hey, how do I know that God is with me? You know, how, how do I know this? The scripture tells us that God is with us through his Holy Spirit. This is where I want to close. Scripture tells us that God is with us through his Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, verse 15 through 17, it says, If you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it does not see him, nor does it know him. But you, you and I, somebody say me, but me, but me, but you do know him because he remains in you and will be in you, Holy Spirit. These are the words of Jesus reminding us that he sent us the gift of the Holy Spirit that comes from Jesus to be with us. I'm even being reminded of what it says in the Old Testament. I know that I didn't give you this scripture, uh, Sophia, but in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, I was being reminded by this. It says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove from your heart the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Watch this. And this is what was said in the Old Testament. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. God was always about being with you and I. This was his desire even from the beginning. This is what we saw even in the book of Genesis chapter 1 through 3 where God was with Adam and Eve, in the beginning, it was his heart to be with, it, with his people. The problem is, is that we don't desire to be with God. As a matter of fact, it's not just, just we. It's the sinful nature in our hearts. We all have a proclivity to just want to do bad. We just don't want to obey God. We all have that natural pro proclivity in our hearts. And, 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 but but, but there's, if there's one thing that you need to know is that God desired that from the beginning. 
He always wanted to be with us. It's just that sin tried to separate us from his presence. But we all know, John's been preaching this. I preach this. We all know how the story ends. God did not want us to be away from him. That's the gospel. He, he came down in the form of a human flesh to dwell among us so that we could be with him. Not only did he come down, but he sent his spirit to be within us so that we could sense and, and, and experience his presence. God always wanted us to experience his presence. I'm closing here. He, he, he didn't want us to hide. When Adam and Eve, they sinned against God, the Bible tells us that they hid from the presence of God, yet God was right there looking for them. He said, Adam, where are you? And Adam, because of his sin and his shame, he felt like he should hide from God, but God didn't want him to, to hide from him. God wanted to tabernacle with him. That's what they say in the, in the Greek, right? To tabernacle in the Hebrew, to be among him. But listen, we shouldn't ever doubt that God doesn't want to be with us. He's with you right now. He's with you even as we're in this building. He's with you when you go out shopping. He's with you and I right now. He's with us because of what Jesus did. Jesus became what we couldn't. The holy and acceptable one who lived a sinful life, a sinless life, sorry, and died a brutal death to give us access to the presence of God. He became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory and he dwelt among us so that we could be with him. And before he satisfied our salvation on the cross, the text tells us that he promised us the coming of the Holy Spirit. Where he says in John 16 verse 7, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, I cannot send a helper. So Jesus, it was in his plan to always be with us. Even if he wasn't with us physically, he would be with us in the spirit. Be with us by his spirit. But I praise God that he is with you and I. He's with me. Guys, we are living in the promises of God right now. We have Emmanuel inside of us right now through his Holy Spirit. He's with you. And he's committed to being with you. Why is this important? This is where I close. I'm done. This is important because there are some things that we're going to confront in life. And we need to be reminded that he's with us. Thank you for listening to New City Sermon Podcast. For more information, check us out at www.newcityhh.com. We'll see you next week.